Matthew 10, 1 to 14. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pay, give without pay. Hoire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. We are motivated by what burdens us. Some of us are concerned about climate change. If we are, we're making all kinds of adjustments to lessen our carbon footprint. Some of us are weighed down by our family situation. If we are, we're seeking counsel and investing in family relationships. Some of us are burdened by health concerns. If we are, we are taking measures to follow medical counsel and making lifestyle adjustments to ensure we stay healthy. Some of us are concerned about our financial situation. If we are, we're giving attention to income and savings and investments. What weighs on you today? What weighed on Jesus? In Matthew chapters 8 and 9, Jesus is going from village to village. And as he goes, he sees people. He feels compassion. He sees sheep without a shepherd. The sheep are harassed. That means they're troubled, worried, bewildered, and they're helpless. They're exhausted. They can't get up. They can't rescue themselves. That is what Jesus sees. According to Jesus, the sheep are lost. That means they're dying. They're being destroyed, and it burdens him. Does it burden me? Does it weigh on you? My prayer today is that we will receive the burden Jesus carries. Because of this burden that Jesus has, he urges his disciples to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. If they're praying, they will capture his heart. The disciples have already been called to follow Jesus. Now in chapter 10, Jesus gives his first commission to them. If they are praying, they will hear his commission to serve, and they will be the first response to their prayers. We must take note. Chapter 10, verse 1. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Jesus' ministry, his teaching ministry, his healing ministry, all of it was characterized by divine authority. Now Jesus delegates that same authority to his disciples who will have authority to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, heal every disease, and expel demons. All that the disciples do will depend on the authority delegated to them by Jesus. Jesus says, go under my authority. 
I have all authority in heaven and on earth. The disciples will go with the power and authority of King Jesus. Wow. With the arrival of the kingdom in Jesus, Satan has met his match and much more. Satan is no longer the uncontested ruler of the world, but the unclean spirits who are in rebellion against God and hostile to humanity will oppose Jesus' disciples. The disciples will encounter spiritual warfare, but they, like Jesus, will expel demons. The captives will be set free. Amazing. What authority? What kind of people are these disciples? Here are their names. Verse 2. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The twelve apostles had a unique calling. They reflect the twelve tribes of Israel and are symbolic of God's calling on Israel as his people. God intended from the very beginning that Israel be a kingdom of priests, mediating God's blessing to all peoples. And from the outset of Jesus' ministry, Jesus envisioned a new restored Israel based on the twelve's relationship with him. They were commissioned by Jesus with his personal authority to be his special representatives, laying the foundation of the early church and writing the New Testament scriptures. The twelve are a remarkably diverse group. As I talk about them, ask yourself, with whom do I identify? Peter, the spokesperson for the group, always heads the list of the twelve. He's a businessman regularly in a leadership position. Andrew, his brother, is is sensitive to God's leading. Though overshadowed by his brother, Andrew is seen bringing others to Jesus. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, leave a successful family business to follow Jesus. Their father is successful enough in business to employ others. Their mother has enough money to support Jesus. They have family connections to the high priest. Jesus calls James and John sons of thunder. They have fiery tempers. On one occasion, James and John want Jesus to call down fire from heaven to consume a Samaritan village that has disrespected Jesus. What great missionaries! Burn them, Jesus! But over time, their hearts are transformed by Jesus. They learn to love with God's love. John later went to those same Samaritans with the good news of Jesus. James will be the first of the twelve apostles to be martyred. John will be the last to die. Philip, he never enters the inner circles, but he takes a leadership role among the lesser-known apostles. Bartholomew is known for his outspoken honesty. He's a truth-teller. Thomas is a skeptic who eventually makes one of the most profound declarations of Jesus' identity. His confession is the climax of John's gospel. Matthew is a tax collector, a former traitor to his own people, who becomes a missionary to them. James, the son of Alphaeus, is either younger, shorter, or less well-known than the other James, but faithful to Jesus throughout his life. Then there's Thaddeus, also called Judas. We know little about him. The team even includes Simon the Canaanian. Canaanian is a transliteration of an Aramaic word meaning zealot. 
This Simon is a zealous revolutionary belonging to a Jewish terrorist organization radically opposed to Roman rule. The last on the list is Judas Iscariot. He is the less than honest treasurer for the group. He betrays Jesus. Do you identify with one of these disciples? Imagine this group on mission together. Imagine the tension between Matthew, a tax collector working in service of Rome, and Simon the Canaanian, a man radically opposed to Rome. They were ideological opposites. The storms on the team probably rivaled the storms they had faced on the Sea of Galilee. Imagine the fishermen who paid taxes to Matthew beside the Sea of Galilee. Peter probably fed Matthew leftovers at the evening campfire. In this passage, the 12 seem to represent all who follow Jesus, all of us. The word apostle simply means sent one or envoy. All who follow Jesus are sent by him. Most commentators agree that the principles laid out in in this passage are for all disciples in every generation, including us. The 12 were common people like you and me. If God could transform their lives, he can transform ours as well. If God could use them, he can use us. Matthew lists the disciples in pairs, probably to reflect what Mark 6 verse 7 makes explicit. They were sent out two by two. As this diverse band of disciples walked the roads of Galilee in pairs, they were formed and transformed. So what would Jesus say to us today? Go with your team. I will transform you along the way. In our passage, Jesus gives his disciples a very specific short-term assignment. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go nowhere among the Gentiles means literally do not take the road to Gentile lands. The disciples were not to take the road north to Tyre and Sidon or take the road east to the Decapolis. They were not to take the road south to Samaria. This short-term mission assignment was restricted to Jewish Galilee. Why this restriction to the house of Israel when Jesus was already ministering to non-Jews in Galilee? Firstly, Jesus restricted his own ministry primarily to the Jewish people. Even though it was clear from the outset that his mission would be to all peoples. As the Messiah, Jesus came in fulfillment of his people's history as their king and redeemer. His mission was to save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21, so that they might be a blessing to the nations. And indeed, the early church emerged out of the Jewish remnant in Jerusalem and Judea and then expanded to include Samaria and went right to the ends of the earth. So, Through Jesus, God was being faithful to his covenant promises to Israel. God always keeps his word. Secondly, this short-term assignment was a stage in in the training and preparation of the disciples who, after Pentecost, would eventually lead the mission to the world. Thirdly, the disciples were probably not ready for the challenges of the Samaritan and Gentile worlds. Their hearts needed transformation. Fourthly, Their time was limited on this short-term assignment. They had to go out and come back rather quickly. What's your assignment? If we're disciples of Jesus, we all have an everyday assignment with specifics peculiar to us. 
We have the assignment to be a father, mother, son, daughter, grandfather, grandmother, uncle, aunt. We meet people in transit, work colleagues, neighbors. Do we see ourselves as disciples with an assignment every day? Jesus would say to us, live according to your specific everyday assignment. Sometimes we may even go on short-term assignments to other places. I remember being on a short-term assignment in Nikopol, Ukraine. Our focus was the villages surrounding the city. We went in twos, sometimes threes, from home to home, sharing the good news of Jesus and praying for the people. One of the three always spoke Ukrainian and Russian. We were a diverse team, composed of Canadians and Ukrainians. Many of the team members were in their 70s. I was much younger. Walking the village streets, we saw Ukrainian people. We saw them. We learned to pray for them. Quite often, my teammates were two women, Olga and Frida. For some reason, I gave Frida the nickname Bruder, German for brother. I don't know why. We laughed a lot between homes. We became a team. In each home, one of us would share our life story. Some villagers surrendered their lives to Jesus. Others received prayer for healing. Now, some would question our methodology. Questioning methodology has its place. But the primary question is this. Are we obeying Jesus' commission? I find that those who spend all their time questioning methodology seldom have the joy of leading people to faith in Jesus. I remember praying with a woman here at Willingdon about three years ago. We prayed together through an interpreter. The woman was surrendering her life to Jesus. Some would question the efficacy of that prayer time in the middle of a worship time. A few weeks ago, she was here with her family at our church. The whole family is being discipled, preparing for baptism. The point is this. We are called to do what Jesus' first disciples were to do. Verse 7. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. The message was the same as that of Jesus recorded in Matthew 4:17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven had arrived with the arrival of Jesus. It had drawn near to them. This message would be attested by miracles and healings and exorcisms. The language in verse 8, it mirrors the description of Jesus' ministry in chapter 4 and chapter 9. The disciples' power was an extension of Jesus' own power, enabling them to do the works he had done. Their hearers were to respond by repenting and surrendering their lives to Jesus' rule. In chapter 10, Jesus called the disciples to himself, to be with him, to know him. Then he sent them out to carry on his ministry. This is our reason for being as a Willingdon Church family, to know Jesus Christ personally and to carry on his ministry. A West African proverb says, whoever tastes honey thinks of his neighbor. Jesus would say to us, share the good news joyfully. I will minister through you. Do the miracles still happen today? A few years ago, one of my friends attended a, a mission banquet here at Willingdon. While the attendees were worshiping, my friend felt a sharp pain in his lower back. This is strange, he thought to himself. I don't suffer from lower back pain. As he worshiped, the Lord whispered to him, 
Pray for the woman beside you. This was so unusual for him. Should he say anything? When the banquet was ending, my friend engaged the woman in conversation. How are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, Do you suffer from lower back pain? Oh, yes, she exclaimed. My back is killing me. I could hardly sit through the banquet. My friend said, I think Jesus is asking me to pray for you. He prayed. A few months later, the woman and her husband invited my friend and his wife to dinner. Over dinner, the woman said, you prayed for me at that mission banquet. The next morning, the pain was gone. God did a miracle. Could you come pray for my friends? (laughs) Jesus still heals. In our passage, the 12 represent the first generation of the church. They're common people like you and me. They represent a generation of young Jewish men and women. Yes, women too. We know from Matthew 27 and Luke 8 that many women were among those who followed Jesus. They were called out of the hardship of Roman Empire occupation, but they went on to fight a battle, not with swords and chariots, but with the good news of the arrival of the kingdom of God in Jesus, a message of transformation and miraculous power. Under Jesus' authority, they went on to lay the foundation for the global church. We, too, are everyday people, called by Jesus to advance the kingdom of God in a sometimes alien and hostile world. Sometimes we're honored, sometimes we're dishonored, but the commission remains the same. Should we worry about things? Jesus says to his disciples, latter part of verse 8, You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts. No bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. No need to waste time obtaining extra supplies. No need to acquire gold, silver, and copper. No need to fill their money belts with money prior to the journey. No need for a, to bring a beggar's collecting bag. No need for an extra pair of sandals or a second tunic for cold nights. This was to be a relatively short faith journey, an exercise in trusting God for daily provision. How would God provide for them? They needed to learn the principle the worker is worth his keep. They were to learn to rely on God's providence through the hospitality of those who would receive them. They would receive food and shelter. The common practice in the Roman and Jewish worlds was for philosophers and teachers to expect room and board from those they served. And they received fees for services as well. The disciples had received the good news of the kingdom of heaven and Jesus' authority as a gift, a free gift. They were to share the good news of the kingdom and pray for people's healing without charge as well. Jesus would say to us, Trust me and share freely. I will take care of you. Putting a price on sharing the good news and praying for God's miraculous work is jarring contradictory. I remember receiving an SOS call from a person in another part of Canada. The person was experiencing spiritual oppression. I called a ministry in her town to request help. The person on the other end of the line said, I charge $100 for deliverance. Shocking. That ended our conversation. Jesus gave his life freely. 
Anyone involved in full-time ministry must be very careful not to profit from the one who gave his life freely. And Jesus would also say this, verse 11, And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. As the disciples entered a home, they were to give their greeting. The Gospel of Luke provides the actual words of this greeting. Peace be to this house. It is a blessing on the home and those who dwell there. Peace is shalom. It's wholeness. It's well-being, something only God can give. In verse 13, if the house is worthy, that phrase, it's a conditional statement indicating that it is very likely that the disciples will be received into homes and people will be willing to hear the good news of the kingdom. This is to be their expectation. Do we see ourselves as those who carry shalom, peace, into homes, the workplace, the bus, the sky train, the neighborhood? Do we live with this expectancy of being well-received? A few weeks ago, our entire staff team dedicated itself to a a day of prayer. We prayed for our church family, for our city, the world. Our afternoon assignment was to go to the four hubs of Burnaby, Brentwood, Metrotown, Lougheed, and Edmonds, and bless people with a word, a prayer, an action, or a gift. We went in pairs. It was raining that afternoon, so many of us spent our time in the malls, (laughs) talking to people in the food courts, giving out gift cards, praying for store owners. Store owners are happy to receive prayer when they're wondering how they're going to survive. One store owner was thinking of closing the business that month. When Pastor Brad arrived in Edmonds, the local community worker informed him that an Afghani refugee family had just arrived. They needed kitchen supplies and beds. Pastor John had just received supplies at Willingdon a few weeks earlier. So within a few minutes, the needs of the Afghani family had been met. When we go to bless, the Lord goes before us. As Karen Chan prayed that day, God gave her a special burden for students. So with her team, she drove from school to school praying for students. God is at work. In recent weeks, we've seen God opening doors in some places that have never been open. Do we live with a sense of expectancy? Do we wake up asking, what is God going to do through us today? Jesus would say to us, be ready to extend my peace to those who will receive you. Be ready. Those who received the 12 received Jesus. Matthew 10.40 makes this explicit. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. By receiving the disciples, people were saying yes to God and his blessing. But Jesus also says this to his first disciples. The end of verse 13. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. If the home is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If you're not received well, the blessing will return like an uncashed check, (laughs) like an e-transfer not accepted. Those who rejected the twelve were saying no to God and his blessing. 
Jesus would say to us, be prepared for rejection. I was rejected by many. Don't be surprised. I have a question for those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus. Why would Jesus say to his disciples, shake off the dust from your feet? This was an acted parable, a sign used by Jews of that time after leaving a Gentile territory, dissociating themselves from the pollution of those lands. In the case of these disciples, the act communicated that the Jews, if they rejected their Messiah, they would be under judgment, like Sodom and Gomorrah. In the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah faced catastrophic destruction because of their sin. The cities became bywords of loathsome destruction. With the visit of the disciples of Jesus and their kingdom message, the Jewish Galileans had received the fuller revelation of the Messiah's arrival. They had to decide. And the same is true for us. So much has been revealed to us. If we hear but do not believe, if we listen but do not repent, if we go to church but do not go to Jesus, we will find ourselves under judgment. As Peter, the disciple of Jesus, proclaimed in Jerusalem later, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, Acts 4, verse 12. So, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Why not? I'll give you an opportunity to do that in a minute. And then a final word for followers of Jesus. What weighs on you today? If we are disciples of Jesus, we are sent ones. If we are sent ones, we must be burdened by people who do not know Jesus. This is the understanding of the entire New Testament. This is the Willingdon vision, a family where everyone is on mission with Jesus. Some may respond with these words, Well, who are we after centuries of colonialism and after Christianity's missteps time and again to go and share the good news? There is a narrative in our Western world which would denigrate our colonial past and render Christ followers silent. I've been in enough slums of Latin America and Africa, sat around enough tables in Asia to know that the Western-slash-media-slash-academic narrative is often false and hypocritical. We have to see beyond the Western narrative of our day and live according to the story God is writing. Should we repent for past mistakes for sins committed? For sure, we need to learn from our past and remember that we will make many mistakes in our own generation. But the fact that we will make mistakes cannot immobilize us. The commission of Jesus remains the same. The kingdom message of Jesus has gone from very humble beginnings in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. In fact, most missionaries around the world today are not Western. They're from Latin America, Asia, and Africa. Are we willing to miss our opportunity, our opportunity to participate in the story God is writing? When I was living in Brazil, a news reporter from Brazil's main media outlet was doing a story on the slums of Rio. At one point in his report, in utter disgust, he blurted out, the only ones in the slums are the evangelicals and me. (laughs) Everything else is rhetoric. He was right. Why were the evangelicals there? Because it weighed on them. So they were doing something. What weighs on us? Do we carry the burden of Jesus? Are we doing something? 
May God use us for his glory. I want to pray for those who might want to surrender their hearts to Jesus right now. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit is touching you, then please pray for with me. You can follow my prayer. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus for my salvation. And in this moment, Father, I just repent. I turn to you. I confess my sin. I confess that I've been going my own way, trying to make life work on my own, and I really need your help. And so, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, my helper, my healer, my Lord. I surrender my life to you, and I ask that you gift me with forgiveness of sin. I ask for the gift of eternal life. I ask that you fill me with your Spirit so that I might follow you. Lord, I surrender my life to me, to you. Lead me forward. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, then I'd encourage you to go to our website, willingdon.org, and you'll find a button there that will help you connect with us. And now a prayer for those of us who follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Jesus, thank you for um, commissioning us to follow you and serve you around the world, wherever we are. Forgive us for living sometimes not aware of our assignment thinking so much about our own, ourselves and our own needs that we don't see the people around us who are troubled or bewildered or in need in some way. They can't get up. They need you. Forgive us for not seeing. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, so that we might be your servants in the world today. Thank you that we don't go alone. Thank you that you are with us by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, empower us. Help us understand what it means to live under Jesus' authority. Help us, what it under, help us understand what it means to be your servants in our day. Help us see the opportunities around us. And so, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you, and we look to you with hope and expectancy, believing that you will use us today, this week, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. I'm going to leave you with some questions for your reflection.